at Southwest Christian Church this morning. We invite you to come on into the worship center. If you're joining us online, we say welcome to you as well and thank you for being a part of our worship service. We will have some uh, wonderful singing, uh, music. The Lord's Supper will be celebrated towards the end of the service. If you uh, didn't see them, there are communion elements out in the lobby. You can pick them up uh, if you happen to forget them uh, during the the part of the service, and then we'll take communion together corporately at the towards the end of the service. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. We trust the service will be a huge blessing to you and a, a service of praise and honor to our Lord. We are in the month of selling the birth of Jesus, which we call Advent. So I'm going to ask Mark and Lisa Andrews to come and have our reading and the lighting of the candle. And then I'll have a, a welcome prayer. Today is the second Sunday of Advent where we recognize love. We light the second candle, the candle of love, knowing that Jesus is the ultimate expression of the love of God. We know what love is because Jesus shows it to us. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He also said, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Christ's love changes everything. Today, we light this candle as a symbol of Christ's love that has come into the world. Father, we're grateful this morning that you are a God of love, a God who demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were sinners, you sent your son Jesus to pay the, the supreme sacrifice, the ultimate expression of love for each of us. And we celebrate his birth at this season of the year by, by acknowledging that love, that gracious love, that was poured out on each of us. And we gather in this room today to worship you, our God, our creator, our sustainer, our provider of all good gifts. So we give you our praise in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, Southwest, it's good to be back. Let's stand up and sing to our Savior. Chasing the 
you guys have your Santa hats on. It's Christmas time.
right, let's pray really quickly before Craig comes up. God, thank you for this beautiful Sunday. Thank you for an amazing congregation of people who are just eager to learn more about you. Uh, more of all, God, during this season, thank you for the ultimate gift you could have given us was your son that you came, uh, you gave to us. He came down, lived a perfect life so that we could ultimately have the opportunity to be saved. Um, there's nothing better than that, and there's nothing that we could do to deserve that, but yet you still give it to us. Um, I hope that everyone, uh, it's not about us on this platform, that um, it's about you speaking through us, um, God, and I pray that everyone just learns more about you today and all these things we pray. Amen. Love. It's more than a feeling and greater than something we fall into and out of. Love is the ongoing sacrifice of our own desires for the ongoing well-being of others. And at the center of the Christmas story, love is exactly what God is lavishing on us all. His love is why he becomes flesh. It's why he lives with us, and it's why he dies for us. That love is what our world needs the most right now. And our own hearts would do well to drink deeply from God's love, too. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now, because Jesus is here now. This is love. Welcome to Christmas. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here um, in person, and then all those who are joining us online as well. And uh, our theme, uh, obviously, the candle today is love, and we'll be talking about that in just a minute. But I did, I'm kind of echoing, kind of, can y'all, there we go. Um, I did want to make an announcement uh, that I put in the newsletter this week uh, that's pretty exciting. So uh, Mac and Taylor Jarvis, who have been part of our sound lighting and all our media for many years, they are expecting their first child. So we're very excited for them. Yeah. Very excited for you guys. So um, this year, I was, uh, back in November, I was married for 25 years, and it kind of like, wow, 25 years, I'm old, you know? Um, and one of the things, y'all, that I really kind of missed over the last 25 years, and maybe some of you husbands are probably going to be mad that I'm bringing this up, it's like, why did you have to bring that up? But this season reminds me of a lot of us guys, we're not preparers and planners, you know what I'm saying? We just kind of like, hey, this stuff gets done, and all of a sudden, so after 25 years, I was like, wow, my, my wife really does a lot of preparing for stuff that I have no idea. I just show up, you know what I'm saying? I know a lot of you women go, I know that's right, you know, and all that. I get that, and your guys are going, thanks a lot, man, you know? Um, but it's true, isn't it? And, 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 and I know some of you guys are planners and preparers too, but, but a lot of time, I'm just saying, for me in my life, I've noticed wow, I really have not been in the preparing phase of a lot of stuff in our families. And my wife has taken the, the, you know, the, 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 more than her amount of that. And it really made me think about that as we talk about love. When you really love people, you prepare for them, don't you? You prepare a lot of things for them. And even when they're not maybe doing their part, you still prepare because you love them and you care about them. And so anyway, I thought about that and my wife, and I thought about how love and our, our, our candle today and that theme of how important preparation is. And I want to kind of 
craft this sermon where we understand that God really planned for us, really planned for us. And so one of the things, how many of y'all have ever had some kind of, had to write up a contract of some sort? Probably all of us, right? And you read through the contract if you can understand any of it, right? Uh, And then sometimes you go, hey, this one part, we need to put a clause in here that says, based on this, we're going to do something a little different, right? Probably you've all done that. I read an article this week uh, about an interesting uh, uh, clause, um, and this is this is from people who live in now. Y'all know Jewish people. Um, some believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and they believe that. And then other Jewish people believe that Jesus was not the Messiah, and they're still looking for the Messiah to show up. They 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 believe that. So based on that, this is the article I read. It says many Jerusalem residents believe not only that the Messiah will return, but that his arrival is imminent, and so imminent. They have taken legal precautions to ensure they can return to Jerusalem immediately upon his return. In apartment contracts all around the city, there are clauses stipulating what will happen to the apartment if or when the Jewish Messiah comes using something called the Messiah Clause. And the contract stipulates that in the event of the coming of the Jewish Redeemer, the lease may immediately be terminated at the will of the landlord. So you see what they're saying? They're basically saying a lot of them live abroad and they rent their house out in Jerusalem. If I live abroad and the Messiah comes, then I want my apartment back now. Not at the end of the contract, but now. So they put that stipulation and they actually talk to many real estate and and attorneys and they go, oh yeah, that's a real thing called the um, Messiah Clause. And it says they are concerned that he will arrive, build a third temple, and turn Israel into paradise. And they will be stuck waiting for their apartment tenant's contract to run out before they can move back. Now, you might go, what? But this is, it's, it's really a thing. And so I say that to say this. We know that we're celebrating the birth of Christ coming into the world. And we're looking back, and we know that Christ was born and he came into the world the way he did. But we also, as Christians, as James pointed out uh, very clearly last week, we need to be understanding that we need to be looking for the second arrival of Christ again. That needs to be a part of how we live and how we think and how we prepare our hearts. Because he is coming back. That's not just something that we go, oh, yeah, that'll happen in the future. Somehow. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen in two weeks. And I'm not a predictor of that. Jesus said, you know, be careful about that. It'll happen when it happens. But it is a reality. And if I'm really a follower of Jesus, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm trying to draw people to understand that he is coming back. And and though he came into the world as a baby in a manger in a very humble way, when he comes a second time, y'all, it will not be that way. It will be as king of kings. And we're going to know when he comes back. So as I think about that, preparations are, are, are very necessary in our lives. I know you all know that. So we think about the whole uh, planning for Christmas thing. And again, I, I was convicted this year about for 25 years, I just kind of rode into Christmas with, yeah, you, you handle all that, wife. You know, you take care of all that. And, and it happens, right? I mean, there's a lot of preparations. A lot of y'all are making preparations. Because as a kid, you used to think Christmas is this day. It's this one day we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is not a day, is it? It's a whole month of stuff that has to be prepared for and planned for. And a lot of people, somebody takes it. I think about my grandmothers over the year, my great aunts. I'm like, man, those family gatherings never would have happened if it had been up to my dad, my grandfather, or my uncle. Never would have happened. Is that not true? I mean, it's just kind of the way it is. I know a lot of y'all are, I'm getting some hate email from guys this week. Like, thanks a lot, man. My wife made me do this this week and all this. I'm 
But there is preparation. And right now, what does that mean for you? Are you sending out cards? Are you, have you or you know, maybe you've decorated the house. You're in the process of that. Maybe you're putting all those holiday events on the calendar. Maybe you've already bought the presents and they've got to be wrapped. And you're um, working on that. Maybe you're going to different parties. Maybe Christmas plays, programs for the kid or friends of uh, kids of friends and things like that. Somebody's planning the meals and telling everybody what they're going to bring or, or doing the name thing, the name exchange. And you've got to figure out how are we going to do it this year. And every, all these things. Or maybe you're just counting down the days. And hopefully... You got an Advent devotional here last week, and you can start reading your devotional. It doesn't have to be ours, but reading something that helps draw you in to it meaning something. But we're all preparing in one way or another for Christmas and for Advent, whether we include Jesus or not. But how do we in this season, which gets so commercialized, prepare ourselves, our hearts, our minds, and our souls for the arrival of Christ? And you might say, Jesus has already come, Craig. Yeah, I know that, of course. But as James pointed out last week, Scripture reminds us consistently that he brought that hope of the world is broken and he is going to take care of that. But ultimately, there's going to be a time when he's going to come back and right everything. And Jesus himself told several parables just before his death on the cross about being ready and being prepared for that second coming. He put it this way in one of the Gospels. When the Son of Man comes in His glory. And that's what I was talking about a minute ago. When Jesus came, He came born in a feed trough, in a manger, in a very humble way. It wasn't in glory. But when Jesus comes back, He refers to this glory. When we're going to know who the King of kings and Lord of lords is. Matthew records in chapter 25. And if you want to take a note today, jot down Matthew 25 and go back and read this. But in his gospel, there's three parables where Jesus emphasizes the importance of us being ready in our lives and being prepared in our lives for the coming of the king. You remember there's the ten virgins and they're all preparing for the bridegroom to come and five of them had extra oil and the other five did not. Remember that? Jesus is telling that parable. He's not really talking about that story. It's something else. And remember the parable of the talents right after this. And some is going to be given this talent and this talent and this so many talents. But the guy's eventually going to come back and want to know, what did you do with your talents? And then at the last part of Matthew, there's that sheep and the goats parable. Where Jesus says at the end there's going to be a judgment and the sheep are going to be on one side and the goats are going to be on the other. And he's going to say, when did you see me hungry? And they go, what do you mean when did we see you hungry? We didn't see you hungry. And he goes, if, you, if what you did for the least of these or didn't do for the least of these, you did or didn't do for me. And Man, every time I read that, I'm like, ooh. So what that means is, is Jesus waited till the very end to tell this, but he did tell it, didn't he? That I'm coming back. And the preparations you're making in your life every day. And that's today, y'all. What we're doing every day, we are really making preparations of whether we really believe Jesus is coming back or not. And so he tells that. And it's interesting to me that historically, even in the addition of Santa Claus, the Grinch, Elf on the Shelf, and all the other things that we market in the commercialization of Christmas and gift giving, Jesus still has not been removed from Christmas, has he? You can't escape it. The name itself, Christmas, Christ, is in Christmas. And it, even if you're not a believer, if you've never heard, you never grew up in a family that celebrated, they go, where did Christmas come from? And eventually, somewhere that you look, even if you Google it, you're going to find out it revolves around the birth of Jesus Christ, who was the Savior of the world. Whether you believe that or not, you at least 
hear that story. And every year we hear that Christmas. And we also see it in manger scenes that are lit up in our neighborhood and all over the world. Pictured on Christmas cards, part of our church and community programs and celebrations. And even when culture has tried to remove Christ from Christmas and do the generic, happy holidays so we don't offend anybody, you can't escape it. That kind of went away, didn't it? That's not really being pushed that much anymore. Because people are curious. They're drawn to take notice of when did this birth of Christ happen? When did this Christmas and how did it originate? And on the other hand, maybe you grew up in the church. In the birth of Jesus, or you grew up in a family where you always talked about that. And, and so Christmas is special, yes, because of gift giving and all that stuff. But yes, at some point, a lot of y'all probably on Christmas Eve read the Christmas story, right? Or on Christmas Day, you gather the family around and you read the Christmas story. That's a part of, of that. Maybe you go to the, the candlelight uh, you know, communion service that we have on Christmas Eve, or you went going to a church that did that, and you celebrate baby Jesus. Maybe as a kid, you were in that play. You were the shepherd, or you were uh, one of the sheep, or whatever it was. You were in that Christmas play, so you know that. It's a part of who you are. Maybe in your family, you celebrate. That's a part of what you do every year. You make sure it's a part of it. But I think about sometimes, and maybe over this year, or maybe the last few years, we can distance ourselves from Jesus. And we can distance ourselves from Jesus even when we're sitting here in worship every single week, can't we? I, as a minister, can distance myself from Jesus even if I'm standing behind this pulpit every single year. It's easy to do. I can go through all the things. Yeah, well, I read Luke's gospel. Yeah, I read my Advent devotional religiously. Yeah, I put up the manger scene in my house. But have I really thought about the arrival of Jesus and what that means this year? Because this year was different than last year, right? Did anybody have the same year this year that you did last year? Nobody. And this year is unique than any other. So it's important that every year, and the, the beauty and the mystery of the Advent season is we have the opportunity every year, y'all, to prepare to receive Jesus again. And it's going to be a little different this year because my life was different. My year was different. And so to remember, to remember the birth of Jesus, to reunite with the story of God coming into the world as one of us to bring light into this dark world as the Savior who brings hope. And God prepared for this from the very beginning. He knew that we would need a Savior and that Savior would need to become one of us and move into our neighborhood and in our community and into our lives. God knew we were going to need that. There was an Old Testament, and it's not like God had to go, oh, I better make a New Testament or a New Covenant. He planned for that from the very beginning of time. Do we realize that? How much God prepared for us as people. That's how much He loved us. So when we read the Gospels in Matthew, we read a little bit about Jesus' birth. And we go to Mark, and there's nothing about Jesus' birth. Then we go to Luke, and there's a good bit, probably the most we know about Jesus' birth. And then we go to John, and there's nothing about Jesus' birth. But John writes something that's amazing to me. And every time I read it, I just go, wow, what a great piece of writing. We're going to read that this morning from John's gospel, talking about God's preparation for Jesus coming the first and second time. Listen to what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Man, is that good writing or what? And I go, man, John was an amazing writer. And then I go, wait a minute. That wasn't John really writing that, was it? I mean, he was talented. He actually put it down on papyrus or whatever. But the Holy Spirit inspired John to write his gospel a little different than the others, specifically so that we could think about the preparations that God made from the beginning for us to bring this Savior into the world. And that's how John opens his gospel. The good news started somewhere, and it started not in that manger. It started before time even began. God was thinking about you and me and the preparations that need to be made. Because guess what? We were going to make a mess of our lives. And he prepared for that in advance. In our lives, we're always preparing, aren't we? Preparing for a test. Preparing for college. Preparing for work. Preparing for a, a presentation at work. Preparing for an emergency. Preparing for the kids' college. Preparing for retirement. Preparing for death. And I could go on and on. There's all these things in life that we're preparing for in our lives. And some of us... Like me, we want to kick the can down the road on some of them because I really don't want to think about that. So I just keep kicking the can down the road and think it'll just go away. But it doesn't. It has to be prepared for because something's going to come and I won't be ready. Some of you are awaiting news, news that will determine what preparations will take place next in your life. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It could be a health issue. It could be a job issue. It could be something in your family. You're waiting to hear what's going to be next because all these preparations you've made up until this point could all change in an instant, couldn't they? And I think about being a minister. One of the things that we see a lot of is a lot of you going through health stuff and all of a sudden you go to a doctor for a, a basic checkup and all the doctor goes, oh, wait a minute, there's something we didn't see there. It looks a little funny. You need to go to a specialist. And then you go to a specialist and all of a sudden they tell you this. And all of a sudden all the preparations you had completely change, don't they? Now, I'm not saying that to depress anybody. I'm just saying how I, as a minister, have watched people walk through that has been inspiring to me because your plans change and all of a sudden everything you thought was going to happen is not going to happen and it's going to be different now. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you are living that right now and have been going through that. But as I think about that, if we've learned anything from the coming of Jesus into the world, it's that preparations and plans can change at any moment, can't they? At any moment. They can change quickly. They can change dramatically. And I think about the characters that we read about prior to Jesus being born. There was a lot of different characters. And man, there was a lot of quick and different changes and preparations that happened in their life. Think about this childless couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, preparing for retirement. You know, they're meeting with their Merrill Lynch guy or whatever, and they're praying he's going to drop off of the priesthood, and they're going to retire and, you know, have a great 
retirement, and all of a sudden they find out they're having a baby, their first baby that they thought they couldn't have. And this baby was not only the first, their first baby and special because of that, but he was going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Can you imagine how your plans would change on that? And we see that in the, in the gospel writings. A peasant teenage girl, Mary, is planning for a wedding and instead finds herself pregnant with a child as a virgin. She knows that nothing has happened, but, but she knows what has happened because the angel told her that. And you can imagine what she's going through. She's telling people, the Holy the angel came to me and said it would be by the Holy Spirit that I would be pregnant. And people are going, sure, that happened. That would be hard to understand. An ordinary young carpenter, Joseph, who's planning to, to marry his childhood sweetheart, if you would, and instead finds out she is pregnant. And he's going, I know it wasn't me, and I know she's got this story about the Holy Spirit, but man, this is hard. All these preparations, I'm not sure I'm going to go through with them now. But we know that Joseph does decide to go through with the marriage. And an angel speaks to him in a dream. You know that Joseph and Mary were dealing with public scrutiny, family scrutiny. People says, yeah, I know you heard it. I know you're going to stick by her, but this just seems weird. This baby is from the Holy Spirit, and their plans changed as they were getting ready to make a life for themselves and have a, a wedding and, and have a baby all within the same time frame. And then all of a sudden, Caesar Augustus says, oh, and by the way, you've got to go to the home of your origin of your birth, and you've got to register. And they're like, holy cow, now the, the plans are going to change again. In the middle of pregnancy, we've got to go to Bethlehem. And they change. You know, I think about Joseph, and you, you think about how many times Joseph got told something in a dream that changed his life dramatically. I bet he was like, I ain't going to sleep anymore. I mean, we laugh, but really, Joseph was told in a dream, hey, guess what? The girl you're going to marry, she's already pregnant. Hey, guess what? You're going to do this. Hey, guess what? You need to go ahead and marry her. And then, oh, by the way, you got to move from um, the king's crazy. I want you to move um, over to Egypt for a while, and then you can move back. I mean, he was like, what's, what's the next dream going to be? But not only Mary and Joseph, but think about the shepherds. They prepared that night, a normal night of watching either their own sheep or a, a night of watching someone else's sheep. Whichever, whoever sheep it was, it was an important job that they were supposed to do. But instead, their plans, their preparations changed because they hear this message in a concert, if you will, from the heavenly host. And then they go off to this baby reveal. Think about that. They left somebody's sheep or their own sheep, completely by themselves, and went to see this good news of great joy. It reminds me, and Jesus would tell this parable later, of the shepherd who left the 99 to find the one lost sheep. And it's interesting, it's almost the reverse. They left all the 99, not to find the lost sheep, but to find the Messiah. And they went off, their plans were changed. Think about the wise men, the kings or the magi, who prepared extensively for this journey for years to see Jesus. They were aligning all this astrology stuff in the stars and all this stuff, and this is where it's going to be, and we're going to go, and we're going to follow the star. And we think that it was probably as much as two years after Jesus' birth that they actually showed up. So make sure in your manger scenes you move your three wise men kind of off to the back like they're on their way. Or in your yard, make sure they're off to be biblical, right? We don't want anybody you know, saying, we're not a biblical church, but anyway. But their, their preparations and their plans all changed because they went and saw the baby 
just like their preparations led them. But the next thing they were going to do is remember Herod say, hey, come and tell me about the baby so I can come and worship him. And in a dream, they were told, don't go back to Herod and go back another route to your, uh, to your own country. And that's exactly what they did. Their preparations had to change. And those are just some of the preparations that we see in the story of Jesus coming into the world. So I ask us today, how do you and I in 2022, in this Advent Christmas season, how do we prepare this year after what you've gone through, what I've gone through in my life personally, how do we prepare for the arrival of Jesus? Well, I think we can take some principles from John's gospel that we just read about. And one is remembering that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God has always been since the beginning. God was before us. We weren't before God. God is omniscient, all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is ever-present. I am not. So guess what? God's smarter than I am. What he says is really the truth. What I feel and I think might be the truth, but if it doesn't line up with his truth and what he says is the truth, then I'm wrong and I need to make adjustments, not God. God made all things, including us. And it says, The life was the light of men and shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it, and the darkness could not overcome the light. Think about that. No matter how dark it is, and we live in a world where we think there's some dark things happening in your lives and in my life personally maybe, but also in the world we know there's some dark things that are happening and we wish that they weren't. But we, even in the midst of those darkness, there's never a light that can't be at least seen a little glimmer of hope. And that's always going to be the case. Even though the darkness has not understood the light, it cannot do away with the light. It will always be there. The word, it said, John said, the world did not recognize him. When Jesus came to earth, they didn't recognize he really was God in the flesh. His own people did not receive him. And that had to be difficult for Jesus, but he was still the light of the world, even in that darkness. And then John writes, yet... Yet, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And see, the Jewish people were God's chosen people, his chosen children of Israel. And they got the mindset that because we're chosen, we can just do whatever we want because we're chosen, and God will always love us, always defend us, and we'll be okay. And God goes, wait a minute, that's not what I intended. Yes, you were chosen. Yes, you were loved. But you were supposed to be a reflection to the rest of the world of what a relationship with me is all about. And bring people in, not exclude people. But that's the way it got, wasn't it? They were excluding people. And so when Jesus came in that old covenant, people thought it was only for the Jews. No, there's a new covenant that's for all men. And he gave the right to become children of God. Not because you're Jewish, but because you are. And so during this Advent and Christmas season, we need to recognize Jesus not only as the Creator, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. And there's a difference. I can say, yes, somebody had to make all this and recognize, yeah, there has to be a God and a Creator. And yes, I understand there's a Savior and Jesus died on the cross for me and I got my get-out-of-hell-free card. But when I make Him Lord, that changes everything, doesn't it? 
That means he's Lord of every aspect of my life. Not just one part, not just on Sundays, not just when, oh no, we're having something terrible happen, let's go to God now. No, he is Lord of my life, recognizing that. Receiving him as your creator and your savior and your Lord. And start participating in, living out your right, my right, our right, our privilege to be a son or daughter of God. The world needs to see that if we are Jesus followers, if we're God followers, we need to show in the way that we treat people and the way that we do things in our lives that he, people can see they have God in their heart. They have Christ in their heart. I can see by the way they live. And some of you this Christmas may get some gifts that were bought at the last minute without much preparation. You ever been there? Get ready to go to a party and you go, oh man, I forgot about that party tonight. So we run and grab something real quick and we throw it in a Christmas bag and, you know, do that with a tissue paper and stuff it in there and go, hey, Merry Christmas. And you're like, thanks. You know, and hopefully they don't see the receipt that I got it at CVS like a block from your house. We laugh because we've all done that or received that. But here's the, here's the flip side of that. Have you ever received a gift that when you got it, you went, This person thought a lot about me. This wasn't something they did last week or a month ago. This is something they thought about all year. They had to put this together just for me, and they give it to you, and you're like, wow, you really put some thought and preparation into this gift. I can't believe he did that. And almost it's such a great gift that you appreciate the preparation as much or more than you do the gift. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've received a gift like that. But I say that to say that's what God did for all of us, y'all. That's the love he has for us, bringing Christ into the world. Think a minute how God prepared the gift of salvation for you and all of humanity. Not just, y'all, before we were born, but before time ever even began. Think about that. In the beginning, God thought about this. There was a guy who used to be on the radio for years and years. His name was J. Vernon McGee. Some of y'all may remember. It was Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. He had this great accent, and I just like to listen to him. And uh, I think my parents bought me um, his commentaries. I have them in my office. He was an interesting guy. He's no longer living. But he, I ran across something that he said um, about God planning for us. And listen to what he said. He goes, when we begin to deal with words like, foreordination, election, predestination, foreknowledge, etc. I feel that we with our finite minds treat God as if he were a great big computer. He isn't that at all. He has a heart bigger than the whole universe. When I was in seminary studying theology, it seemed pretty important to know whether or not foreknowledge comes before foreordination. But frankly, since that time, I've not been concerned with which comes first. I realize now that the important thing is, is that Christ was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. To put it very simply, the cross of Christ was not an ambulance sent to a wreck. Christ was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world because God knew all the time, and he uses his own name, that Vernon McGee would need a savior, and he loved him enough to provide that savior. I don't need a computer to go over this. I only need a God with a great big heart of love who provided redemption by his grace. That's pretty good, isn't it? This is a guy that studied the Bible his whole life, and he puts it in that simple. And I like this line. He said, the cross of Christ was not an ambulance sent to fix a wreck. It's not like God goes, oh, no, now what do I do? They killed Jesus. What am I going to do? That was always part of the plan. And it tells us in Scripture, remember those two guys 
last week that James shared with us from the New Testament letters. Paul and Peter, and he, they shared the hope that they have as Jesus came into the world. Well, listen to a couple more texts from their letters about God's preparation for our salvation. In Ephesians, Paul writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, here it is, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And then the Apostle Peter writes along the same lines. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter 1. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen, here's that phrase again, before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Before time even began, God had a plan for you and for me. Does that not blow you away? He knew that we were going to do things in our life that were going to hurt us. That we were going to do things in our life that would hurt other people. He knew people were going to do things in their life that would hurt themselves and us. And he knew something had to happen. But before the beginning of time... He thought about a Savior for us. And he thought about a Savior who would not only die to restore us to God, but he thought about a Savior that would rise from the dead and give us eternal life. Y'all, man, that's a prepared present, isn't it? That is true love when you think about it. Knowing that God had this kind of love for us and prepared not only life for us, but salvation for us and eternal life for us before the creation of the world. And that's a God that loves us and that wants relationship with us. Maybe there's somebody here today that needs to prepare for that. Jesus already come the first time, but maybe you need to prepare for Jesus coming the second time. And I don't know when that could be. It could be this afternoon. It could be in a month. It could be four years. It could be 10. I don't, I don't know. But God has given us the way to be prepared for that by naming him as our Lord and Savior. Maybe somebody needs to do that here today. And we give you that opportunity. It doesn't mean that the darkness completely leaves your life, but it means that that light will start to grow and it will illuminate the way you should go, even in the midst of darkness and knowing that God ultimately holds the key for our future. So if someone needs to do that today, we're going to offer that invitation. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up here and we're going to lead us in a song. And we're also going to, at this time, uh, get our hearts prepared for communion. Uh, if you're here maybe for the first time today, we take communion or the Lord's Supper every Sunday. That's something we do as part of worship, and we invite you to be a part of that if you're a believer. You don't have to do it, but you don't have to be a member of our church to participate. If you didn't get that little packet, you can sneak out and get one of those while we're singing a song. But we're going to prepare our hearts for that and take communion together and remember the love that God has for us that he prepared before the beginning of time. So let's all stand and prepare our hearts as we sing. If you've got a decision, I'll try to walk you through it.